You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to an emergency Sound the Foghorn podcast trade deadline edition. Brett Marshall and Zeke Boyat with you here to discuss what ended up being an extremely busy uh, trade deadline for the Minnesota Wild. We are going to dive into all of that. Zeke, just a quick check-in. How are you doing? I know I certainly was not expecting the Wild to go out and make uh, was it three deals today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know it was, it was really surprising because all of a sudden, you know, sitting at work, uh, starting to feel the phone buzz a bunch of times, had to sneak in peeks at the at Twitter every few minutes just to make sure I'm not missing anything. But yeah, no, it's especially when, you know, you got the tweet from Russo today going uh, basically not expecting anything or hearing anything. And it's yeah, they even, re- they even kind of wrote it in the athletic too, like, yeah, probably not going to do anything. And we're like, yep, that checks that up. They can't move Greenway. Makes sense. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, boom. Everything happened. Three of them. Yeah. Um, they were fired off in pretty close, you know, pretty close succession too. So let's start with just a full recap of kind of what's come in, what's come out, and then we'll get into the ones from today. So basically since the Wild started making trades, I believe that would have been Monday, I think, when they did the Johansson and Nyquist trades. Since then, they have brought in, and this would also, I guess, be including the cap retention trades as well. Um, they've brought in a 2025 fourth round pick, a 2024 fifth round pick, a 2023 second round pick, Gustav Nyquist, Marcus Johansson, Oscar Sundquist, and John Klingberg. And then if we look at what went out the door, a 2024 third round pick, a 2023 fifth round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, a 2025 fourth round pick, prospects Josh Pilar and Nikita Nestorenko and then uh, of course Jordan Greenway uh, the only real roster player to move out during this time so overall Mm -hmm. you know you got four NHL players and you gave up none of your top 20 prospects and nothing higher than a third round pick I think when you look at it at that level pretty good overall Um, let's start with the trade that I think was the best of the day and that was the Jordan Greenway trade Minnesota sends off Greener to the Buffalo Sabres, uh, in return, they get back a, tw- a second-round pick in this year's draft. That is Vegas's pick from the Jack Eichel trade. Uh, and then also a 2024 fifth-round pick, I believe, is what that ended up being. So, yes. yeah, I was not expecting the Wild to be able to recoup a second-round pick for Jordan Greenway. Frankly, I was going to be happy if they could get, you know, like a fourth. Um, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that trade broke. Uh, just awesome, especially in this draft um, that now gives Minnesota... Um, with three picks in the top 60 again for Judd Brackett this year. Uh, but then nothing after that until the sixth and seventh round. So 
Uh, it'll be busy early on, and then they'll get a little break, and then you know try to find some diamonds in the rough there late. But uh, an unbelievable piece of business for Billy Guerin to get Jordan Greenway uh, out of here, shed that cap, and add another another bullet for Judd Bracken in this year's draft uh, coming in the second round. Well, I mean, I think you know the other the the other key part of that too is the fact that they didn't have to retain any salary yep. to that return either. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, Brett too, it kind of seemed like you know. I mean, obviously teams see some, especially when a guy is 6'5", 220. You know, we know in the NHL that that, uh, you know, especially just a little young, the, the coach on Buffalo with Don Granato, they have some connections. So that can all maybe increase their interest in value. But, you know, like you're saying, it almost seemed like they would have to retain salary. And even then, as you mentioned, maybe get at best a third-round pick. And like you said, the fact that they were able to get his full $3 million off the books the next two years, which will help them this summer and next kind of fill up their D and the rest of their lineup with re-signing some guys, which is obviously huge uh, is another big part of this deal as well. But, but yeah, no, the second round pick, which I believe you might've said that was Vegas's, right? Like you said, yep. so, probably like 50, 55. Yeah. I so. think right now the two seconds are projected based on the current standings. I think it's 55 and 57, okay. um, which I think again, you know, those picks could have potentially allow, you know, if you want to try, you can maybe package those mm-hmm. move up, um, you know, if you want to maybe just bring in one quality, you know, maybe one higher end prospect than, you know, multiple maybe step downs, um, you know, I think that's, you know, a possibility too. It gives them some options there. Yeah. Of course, you know, we know they have a, a an abundance of defense prospects too. So definitely giving themselves, you know, maybe the potential mm-hmm. to move up in this draft. Although, you know, with how deep this class is, you know, could that be easier, more difficult? Uh, that's yet to be seen, but um, of course, that's a ways out. We'll see how the rest of this season plays out before we start worrying about the draft. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, like you said, that's uh, that's what they did to get Walsh a couple years ago. They traded a mid third round pick to move up three spots. So, like you said, it's never a bad idea to have uh, more bullets in the chamber uh, when it comes to your draft picks and just assets in general. So, yeah, no, very good, uh, you know, very good deal for for the Wild personally, and you know, hopefully for. Greenway too. I mean, obviously he was a second round pick here a few years ago, uh, same year that Ek Prizov were, and he did have some, you know, like you tweeted out today too, Brett, some of his stats with Griefline. He did have some quality games here for a couple of years with the Wild, just never seemed to be able to, uh, you know, consistently put together the offense and the play. And obviously we know that it seemed like the Wild just kind of were, I guess, maybe not tired of him as a person, but were just a, uh, felt like it was time to move on and didn't really think that there was anything else they could uh, do to get him out of here. So, you know, maybe it's a good opportunity for him in Buffalo to hopefully with the coach that knows him a little bit better to, uh, you know, excel and hopefully develop a little bit more into what we know he can do. Yeah. And it'll be interesting too for, uh, for Greenway as well. I mean, he's going into, you know, Buffalo, they've been, I think the I don't know if they still are, but at one point were the highest scoring team in the league, but have had some real problems mm-hmm. defensively. Um, and I think, you know, that's obviously where Greenway strength lies. Uh, this, I think, you know, two goals and was it six assists, I think this year, seven assists, whatever it was, um, one of those goals being empty netter. So I think maybe going into an environment where, you know, Buffalo's not, you know, maybe trying to make the playoff push, you know, he does, he knows that he hasn't been scoring in Minnesota. So perhaps going to an environment, like you mentioned with a familiar coach, an environment where he only, you know, focus on playing defense, focus on that bottom six role. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that could help from him, you know, like, like you mentioned, I did tweet out, you know, some stats on the grief line today, you know, arguably one of the best, 
um, defensive lines of the last three years. You know, fell off a little bit this year, but, you know, you had Greenway hurt coming into the season. Felino's been banged up all year. Um, X bounced around line. So never really able to find that healthy consistency. Um, but, you know, he, he played, you know, I don't know if he was necessarily the driving force there. I think that more goes to Eck and Felino. Um, but, you know, prove he can complement and, and be good there. Um, also think he's, you know, he saw it on the forecheck. I think there was a stat um, from Corey Schneider um, about how Greenway, I think, actually led the wild and puck retrievals on dump-ins. So, you know, adding that element too. So obviously wish him all the best. Um, you know, I think both sides, you know, obviously get, get what they want here. But again, I think the wild coming out of this with a second round pick, especially in this draft, um, was huge. You know, you know, it's a later yeah. pick, but, you know, we've seen what Judd Brackett can do. Um, and excited to have another piece there. Um, and almost immediately after that trade was announced, uh, much like last year um, when we saw the Jake Middleton, Capo Kakinen, um, Flurry, all that stuff, Bill Guerin had another trade kind of right in his back pocket to pretty much immediately replace Jordan Greenway, um, and that was acquiring Oscar Sundquist uh, from the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Um, the pick going out in that one, I believe, was the tw- uh, this year's fourth, or was it the 2025? I it was a... Uh... Yeah, it was 2025. Yeah, so 2025 fourth for Sunquist. This one is a little bit more perplexing to me, I guess. Um, <clears throat> Sunquist, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of a bigger body, 6'3", 220, so they immediately bring some size right back in with Greenway going out. Seven goals, 14 assists, 21 points, and a minus four this year. For the Red Wings, analytics, uh, offense really isn't there much. Defense is okay. He's played a little bit in the power play. Hasn't killed penalties much. Um, hasn't played against a lot of tough competition, but I think this is more, you know, you look at a playoff ad and this is a guy who's won a cup with St. Louis physical. Um, you know, I don't, for a fourth round pick, I, I, you know, I'm not too upset about it. Um, I just, you know, I wouldn't expect him to be an earth shattering move, but you know, a guy you can, Mm -hmm. um, he's a right shot, which the wild don't have a lot of currently, um, is a guy that has played center and on the wing. His face-offs aren't great. I think he's like a 41% on the year, but a guy that'll have some versatility to move around, um, you know, maybe around the bottom six, could be down the middle, could be on the wing. Um, you know, not a terrible ad, not my favorite ad, but, you know, again, at the, at the cost of a fourth-round pick, it's a kind of a, a whatever to me uh, in that sense. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, the quote uh, from Joe Smith from Garen today that, was Sunquist was kind of the uh, the backup for Greenway, essentially his replacement, maybe. So, I mean, you look at it right away. Obviously, his you know he's not much of an offensive player, but he scored a little bit more, uh, obviously, than he has this year. You know, he does. You do remember him looking pretty decent in the playoffs with St. Louis when they went on their run to the Stanley Cup. So, you know, again, intangibles maybe don't mean that much, but he does. He has had you know sometimes where, like you said, he's looked a bit like a playoff player, and uh, you know, a guy teams would. I'm assuming there was probably other teams who were maybe in on him and kind of wanted to acquire him as well for that reason. But yeah, no, nothing, a little bit like Johansson, not particularly sexy, but you know, another guy that you know can be defensively responsible. Like you said, Brett, he's bigger at six three, so they kind of can insert him in on that third fourth line and you know hopefully be good on the forecheck, be good in his own zone, and you know who knows, chip in offense. But it, 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 like Johansson too, he's another guy who you know maybe just brings a little bit more depth again to their lineup and gives them a lot of options here uh, going into the playoffs, the regular season, which, you know, like you mentioned on our show a couple nights ago, you can never have, you know, at this time of year, it's never a bad thing to have too many NHL players who can uh, plug in and play pretty much wherever you need them. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll do good. And I think I saw he'll play tomorrow most likely. Yep. So we'll get a quick look at him right away. Yeah. Um, 
I just lost my train of thought there. Uh, yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're speaking of depth, and we'll get to this after we talk about John Klingberg, but, you know, they'll have yeah. basically a full line and a full set of D um, available basically as healthy scratches. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. And then let's get to the one that I think none of us really saw coming at all. Um, we heard rumblings that maybe the Wild wanted to shore up their blue line. I think we assumed that would maybe be more of a guy we talked about last week in a Justin Hall. Maybe, you know, returning uh, returning Carson Soucy back into the mix, maybe more of a physical defensive defenseman to kind of shore up your, your bottom pair, you know, a, a sub in if one of your top four goes down. But instead they went out and got an extremely polarizing defenseman in John Klingberg from the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, they only give up in this one, I believe, again, a fourth-round pick. Um, I think that was the one in this year's draft. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, also Andre Suster and then prospect Nikita Nestorenko, who we've covered on this show a couple times. Um, but the rumors were he was not planning to sign in Minnesota, which you look at probably how how far down that death chart is. Probably not a clear path to the NHL for him anytime soon. And I believe he is in his senior season too. So a guy that probably wants to play, you know, before he's 27 years old. Um, so, you know, not a bad piece of asset management there. You know, Suster was just kind of a minor league depth defenseman. So again, not a huge cost to acquire Klingberg. And I think there's a lot of upside there, but I'll just start, um, as the analytics guy here, kind of, um, talking about mm. some of these stats on John Klingberg. We'll start with just who he is. So he's kind of Kalen Addison, right? He's a guy that, you know, more of an offensive defenseman excels in the power play, but um, at even strength is an absolute nightmare defensively. Um, mm-hmm. To contextualize this a little bit um, in terms of expected goals, those types of things, shots. So uh, he- here's this is from Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter, one of my favorite analytics follows. Great visuals uh, if you're not following him. Uh, and this is kind of what he had to say. The Ducks give up 42.2 shots and 4.2 expected goals per 60 minutes when John Klingberg is on the ice. How can we relate that? Uh, how about the Oilers get 37.8 shots and 3.8 expected goals per 60 when Connor McDavid is on the ice? Um, essentially meaning that it, um, when the Ducks have had John Klingberg on the ice, it's basically like the other team is Connor McDavid on the ice. Um, mm-hmm. It's tough. He's you know a right shot D, 30 years old, had some good years in Dallas, but his defense is literally just cratered the last two seasons, uh, but that's probably why his price was low. Um, the mm-hmm. other piece I did want to read on this was from Dom Lucision um, of The Athletic. I'm um, kind of a twofold here. So he put it, you know, pretty similar terms. Uh, more so, this is comparing to Austin Matthews in a way. Uh, the necessary context to understand just how many chances against John Klingberg has been on the ice for this season. 4.15 expected goals against per 60. He's 0.8 expected goals worse than the next previous of all time. That's in the analytics area tracked back to 2007. Uh, he's half an expected goal worse than if a team faced Hart Trophy level Matthews every shift. He's been that bad, and that's a continuation from last season where he obviously fell out a favor out of favor in Dallas. Add a sizable reduction in offense to the equation plus a big cap hit. Easy to understand why the Ducks weren't. <clears throat> able to get uh, out of his or or why the Ducks weren't able to get much out of his services but uh, he looks in the at the plus side you know we areas that Klingberg excels the power play you know obviously a lot of this hinges on you know is Kalen Addison staying in the lineup or not Um, you know if presumably he's the one to come out Klingberg probably slots into that top power play unit where he has you know it's kind of been the one area he's been effective um, this year, he's also a really good puck mover, which we know, you know, maybe hasn't been a strength of Addison at five on five. We know certainly isn't a strength of John Merrill. Goligoski is probably pretty average in that sense. So it gives him there. 
um, a little bit of help. So, you know, a high risk, high, I, you know, I don't know if it's a high risk in the sense of asset, but in high risk of if this doesn't work out, how we could kind of crater this defense. But, you know, you go from arguably the worst offense and, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league holistically to, you know, as we've talked about, the second best 5v5 offense in the league. Um, if you can shelter him properly, um, this could work out. But uh, before I talk a little bit more about it, I'll give you a chance kind of on your thoughts. I was just like, oof. Yeah. You know, <laughs> four years ago, no. I might have liked that trade, but right now I'm kind of like, uh, we'll see how this plays out. And I think, you know, you say, you know, you talk about the risk. I think maybe the good thing here is, you know, like we mentioned depth. If he's really not, if he's really that bad and not good, I mean, they could probably just take him out of the lineup just as easily and plug Alex Golgoski or whoever else back in. So, you know, there is that. But, but yeah, no, I mean, like, like you said, it was kind of a surprising trade. I mean, we found out later from Russo and Joe Smith Athletic that they've been kind of after him for like a week now, which obviously was not something that had been reported, but. But, you know, obviously, you know, the first thing when you hear his name is kind of a name recognition. You know, the offense is the first thing you uh, you think of, like, you know, he just went through all those stats. He's, you know, in, in Dallas, he was a pretty good offensive defenseman for a long time, was like regularly 45 to 65 points. Um, but obviously, you know, the last few years, the offense is still been there, but it's not been as prolific. And like you mentioned, he's been pretty defensively this year although you know how much of that is affected by the fact that he plays on Anaheim you know we'll see maybe as as you know as they said uh, his Donald decision said maybe playing on the wild will help uh, with you know his defensive game or at least stabilize it to a point where it's not actively you know catapulting the, uh, the the team when he's on the ice but you know I think it's it's intriguing especially for that price if he's you know can bring show a little of that offense I mean as friend Tony Abbott pointed out he does have 35 points in 59 games in the playoffs so he's performed there he's put up points there which could help and and you know yeah I think it's just for the price like you said fourth round pick prospect who wasn't going to sign with you and even if he did it was probably no, nothing more as Corey Promen described him a chance to play games guy is a, is a pretty good deal and you know he's played a lot obviously like I said he has a lot of experience Another Swedish guy to the team, so I'm sure he's familiar with the X and Birdines and all the world. Which Nyquist you know, and Johansson. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was clearly a trend here of uh, all right, yeah. uh, who's available? Are they from Sweden? Sure. No, I don't want them. <laughs> Are they from Sweden? Bill Guerin. Oh, all right, I'm listening. <laughs> a lot, a lot of ifs on the ends the names. But, yeah, brought in, brought in but, four Swedes in the last week. So, <laughs> and I think, I think the other thing, uh, you know, I think I don't, I don't remember if this is 100 percent true or confirmed, but feel like it was reported that he turned down like a seven-year deal at like seven million from dallas last year because he thought he was gonna you know cash in uh in free agency and ended up having to he ended up firing his agent having to take that one-year deal so maybe part of that maybe that can help him you know motivate him to clean up his game and play really well with the wild here now he's getting to be on a good team in the playoff race again in the hunt for a division title here so hopefully uh yeah hopefully he can just come in and uh you know, like other people have talked uh, on Twitter today, hopefully they just put him in a position where he's able to use his strengths, most importantly. Yeah, and I think now that really begs the question of, you know, where do you put John Klingberg and with whom, right? Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, right now, Jonas Brodine's still hurt. I think, in my mind, the obvious first choice would be to probably put him with Jonas Brodine. Um, right shot, left shot, you know, guys that have, I think, I think, oh, what's Brodine now, 28, 29? 
um, years old. So they're, they're pretty close in age. I'm sure they've, you know, maybe played together in the past for international teams. I'd have to look all that up to know for sure. But it's obviously some sort of familiarity there. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, we have seen, you know, prior to Brodeen's injury, we saw a lot of that Dumba-Brodeen pair getting a lot of those tough minutes. Um, and if we're, you know, you're talking about sheltering John Klingberg, you know, a way to do that would be to keep him away from top matchups. Um, but, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, um, I put out a thread uh, late last night about how good Brodeen, or excuse me, not Brodeen, Spurgeon and Middleton have been um, basically having a lot of goal against the last eight top lines that they've faced um, over about 130 minutes of five-on-five ice time. Yeah, pretty much every opponent, you know, the Matthews line, the Robertson line, the Jenner line, the Duchesne line, all of these lines that they've faced, um, you know, they've been getting the majority of those minutes, having a lot of goal. So they've been getting those tougher matchups. Maybe that, you know, allows you to maybe look at deploying them more strategically. Um, the other option here would, of course, be you keep Brodeen and Dumba together and you throw them on a third pair with John Merrill. Um, that way you maybe can shelter him a little bit in the sense of you can give him some of the easier matchups, but now you're running Mm -hmm. the risk of you're getting now a very average defender in John Merrill, um, with a very terrible defender in John Klingberg where, you know, on the road, that could be a pair that really gets preyed on, uh, maybe at home it works, but you know, that that's, you have to shelter him, right? Um, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. this probably means Kalen Addison probably won't see the lineup for a good chunk of the rest of the season, or at least once Brodeen comes back. Um, Alex Goligoski is probably not, you know, might've played his last game in a Minnesota wild uniform, at least this season. Um, barring injury to probably two defenders. I think Addison probably comes back in before Mm -hmm. him would be my guess. Um, I will say it is odd that Goligoski didn't get moved, but I think if you look at, we'll, we'll circle back on Klingberg here in a second, jump to Goligoski's because that's how we're doing this flying from the seat of our pants on this op- on this podcast. Um, but you kind of look at the additions to, you know, that depth defenseman that were added today. There wasn't a lot, right? I think we saw Troy, Troy Stetcher um, went to the <laughs> Calgary Flames. Um, hold on, make sure I get this right. I had this written down somewhere. Um, yeah, Troy Stetcher to the Flames from the Coyotes. Kulikov in kind of a cap dump move on Pittsburgh's end from Anaheim to Pittsburgh. And then a very minor one, Chase Prisky moving from Buffalo to Anaheim. Um, so, you know, not a lot of teams are probably, you know, we're probably looking, at least contender-wise, to add a depth defenseman, maybe outside of Calgary. Um, you know, maybe if Alex Goligoski was asked, hey, would you go to Calgary? You know, he looks at that. That's a team that's lost eight of their last nine, uh, one, four, and four in that stretch. Um, and their next three games mm-hmm. are against Minnesota twice and the Dallas Stars. Um, and if, you know, pretty much one loss, maybe two in that stretch, pretty much eliminates them from playoff contention. So if you're Goligoski, you know, hey, yeah, I can stay as the eighth insurance defenseman on a team that's all of a sudden priming for a playoff push, or I can go to a team that's probably going to miss the playoffs, maybe get some playing time, uh, but then my season's done. And it's seeming like, you know, potentially chose, hey, I'll sit in the press box and bide my time and see where this goes. But um, you know, a little curious, but just didn't seem like, you know, once that market kind of calmed down, like there was much of a market there for Goligoski, which I think is ultimately why he didn't get moved. Yeah, no, it's, I guess I was kind of surprised that there was really even a market at all for him, to be honest. I mean, he's played like maybe not even 30 games this year. You know, he's been fine. He hasn't been horrible either, but he's just been kind of been fine, kind of average when he's in there. And obviously at 38 with still another year left, I guess it's, you know, I didn't expect that even anyone would really be out there looking for the guy like him. But I mean, obviously there, there was, as Russo said, and, but yeah, it was surprising that he got moved, especially when, I mean, you had Russo tweeting there 20 minutes before the deadline, you know, basically Adam, he was curious to see what was going to happen with him. 
uh, you know, because it's then obviously he said if they did move him, they would have to probably go out and get another defenseman. But you know, the opposite happened. But they did as move we all him, and now. they got another defenseman. Yeah, and he stayed here, so it's 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 definitely a little bit you know a little weird, but yeah, no, it's the only bad thing, like you mentioned, is the fact that that could push Kalen Addison out of the lineup. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you could say, well, they're you know. John Merrill is probably not going to come out regardless of what he does because, you know, as you mentioned last week, they haven't taken him out all year. So why would they start doing it now? Yep. And so that that's maybe the only, you know, real downside of this in the immediate present is the fact that it'll probably lead to Addison being scratched more. But I guess at the very least, you know, if if Klingberg struggles here for a few games, then he could probably throw Addison back in there and give you a similar style of play and, you know, similar uh, production, I suppose, if either of them doesn't really work very well. So, Yeah, and part of me wonders too, Zeke, you alluded to this about, you know, about how um, there was a stat out there about Klingberg, you know, has had some success in the playoffs. You know, obviously, is, is this maybe a situation where one, you know, Addison hasn't been in the, in the, in the best of graces with the staff, the management, we speculate yeah. as if he has a future here. Um, I think one, this kind of solidifies that no, he probably doesn't. Um, I think this is a pretty clear-cut mm-hmm. message that he'll probably be moved in the off-season here. Um, but I think on top of that too, I wonder how much of that is they, you know, not only do they not trust him now, they really don't, you know, trust him in a, in a physical playoff series, right, where he's not really yeah. experienced. Is that fair to him? I don't think so necessarily. Again, you know, we've talked at length on this show how you know we don't think a lot of the defensive deficiencies are necessarily his fault. You know, but at the same time, you know, he's got one of the worst plus minuses on the team. At times, there mm-hmm. definitely is some deficiency there defensively, and the offense at five on five just really hasn't been there either, right? So, you know, that that third pair all year has kind of just been guys at even strength. Um, and yeah. you know, as you talked about, you know, it hasn't been John Merrill all year that's being scratched. So, I doubt it'll be now, especially bringing in a right shot, um, which which Addison is. So, going to be tough for the kid. Um, we'll see. You know, how I think how he takes it will be a big test to his character. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, got to continue to practice hard because, you know, if this Brodian injury lingers, I, w- I would think to me that he would be the one to stay in the lineup, but we'll see. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on, on which D partner you would put him with, you know, is it a, is it a thing where they're switching when it's home versus road? Um, what would you be thinking there? Well, we're talking about Klingberg again, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. No, I'm just, hmm. I think I'm kind of, uh, you know, maybe more in favor of the suggestion of Brodine. I mean, you know, you did mention, obviously, that him and Dumba have, you know, obviously we've seen it in the past, and this year they've, you know, especially lately, Dumba's really came on and started to play better, and obviously they, they, they've played well at times this year, so you maybe don't want to break that up necessarily because of what we've seen with Dumba's struggles this year, but I guess, you know, when you, you know, all the numbers you referenced earlier with Klingberg and how he's, you know, pretty much a complete liability, at least so far this year in his own zone. I don't think it would be the worst idea to at least try it with Brodine. I mean, maybe it's uh, guys playing kind of opposite games. Can Maybe you can do a little bit what he does for Dumba in the covering up and letting him do his thing. Like everyone's mentioned, they're both left and right shots. So there's no, you know, kind of fits in with the handedness. But yeah, I think I would be, uh, I would be on board with trying him in with trying him with Brodine. And uh, I did check, like you mentioned earlier, and they did play together on the uh, 2012 Swedish World Junior team. So okay. they do have 
I'm, you know, obviously not surprisingly so familiar. So I think that would probably be a, maybe a good way to start when he's back. Yeah. In and I think and then- for me too, the other reason I, I think I lean that way as well is it makes your third pair Merrill Dumba, right? Where you have two capable yeah. NHL defensemen and maybe, you know, they can take some of those harder matchups too, right? I mean, we know mm-hmm. they can both play physical. Um, they can play tight. They, you know, both have played better as of late, but you know, that's a, a big result of the team playing better. Um, as yeah. well, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that's where they should start. See if it works. Tweak as you need. I think the one thing, you know, you could look at splitting up. You know, Spurgeon and Middleton. Maybe you throw Klingberg with Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, so now you got two right shots. Do you really want one of those guys playing on their offside? You know, tough to say there. Um, but you know, they'll have some options obviously here. Um, you know, I, I think our our gut and from what I've you know read between the lines, um, it will be Goligoski and Addison that'll be the scratches for the time being. Um, obviously it hinges on whether Brodine comes back, um, you know, well, not whether, but when, um, I don't think it'll be this next game per se. So we'll see if it's Goligoski or Addison that stays in, um, off the hop here. But, um, the other thing, and, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this on the last show is, mm-hmm. you know, the wild had 15 forwards to deal with. Um, and uh, unless they trade Greenway, maybe it becomes a little more clear. Well, they did that, but then they added another forward again. So they're still at 15 <laughs> forwards. Um, I think the one thing that's relatively clear is, is the top six will be, you know, the, the five that it's been for much of the last stretch here, Kaprizov, Hartman, mm-hmm. Zuccarello, Boldy, Eck. Um, for the time being, I think Johansson is the one there. I thought he looked good the other night, um, played with some good pace. Yeah. Um, that line I think had like two shots against all game. Granted, it's a pretty crummy Vancouver team, but I thought they looked good, had some chances. Um, I would assume once Nyquist is ready for the playoffs that he'll probably slot in there unless all of a sudden this line really picks up some insane chemistry. Um, they don't want to split that up. Um, but let's assume Nyquist goes in there. That probably bumps Johansson down to your third line uh, where I assume mm-hmm. Freddie Goudreau is the center. And then after that, it's really wide open as to what could happen next. Um, yeah. You know, Marcus Foligno battling through this injury. Um, it sounds like if it was a playoff game, he would have played. But obviously this has been a knee injury that's lingered. Brandon Duhame gets in a fight last night, you know, went into concussion protocol. I don't know if we have a certain update on him yet. I um, think they said he's out tomorrow, but yeah, could so, be back you know, he He's day-to-day right now. You know, concussions, mm-hmm. minor ones, could be about a week where he's out potentially. Um, but I think, you know, that's maybe the first two that you slot there would be Felino and Duhame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe Sunquist does slot in on that right side potentially. Um, and then, you know, l- l- let's assume it's, it's, you know, Johansson, Goudreau, Duhame. Now you're looking at your fourth line. I think Connor Dewar has to stay there. He's just too valuable yeah. to your penalty kill, um, especially if, you know. And then Sunquist, you traded for him, so I'd assume he probably comes in on your right wing, which then leaves you um, with the options of Marcus Foligno, Mason Shaw, or Ryan Reeves yeah. on that left side. I think if it yeah. comes down to those three all healthy, it's probably Foligno. Um, but you know, we haven't seen a huge willingness to take Reeves out of the lineup recently. Um, but Mm -hmm. I think come playoff time that could change. You know, we talked about how they learned things from last year. I think they, they regretted when they put, um, Nick DeLorean over Connor Dewar. Um, and obviously the goaltending, a big piece of that too, but I think that's what I would roll with. So to recap, keeping that first line the same, uh, this would be playoff time, Boldy, Erickson, Eck, Nyquist, and then Johansson, Goudreau, Duhame, and then, uh, Foligno, Dewar, and Sunquist, uh, with, Shaw and reuse some extras. And then of course, Sam Steele, who at this point is basically an afterthought, but um, any disagreements there, any things you would do differently, your thoughts uh, curious on that aspect. Yeah, not, I pretty much think the same way that you did, you, you know, it's obviously like you mentioned, Johansson actually did look fairly good last night. So he'll, 
he'll stay there for now. Like you said, there no problems with that. But yeah, no, you know, I think I agree with you on Reeves. It, right now in the regular season, it doesn't seem like they would, unless he has a really string of really bad games or a couple really bad ones that he'd come out. Currently riding know, a two-game other... point streak. Yeah, that's Mickey, true. M- <laughs> Mickey Mouse second assist after a horrendous shift <laughs> for Caprice. I know, so, goal. Yeah. I know. It's, uh, so yeah, no, especially after that, it doesn't seem like he'll come out. But as you said, by playoff time, he might just be a game-by-game basis on whether you think you're going to need him. So, you know, I don't know. Like this, this is just like we said earlier. Now, they, this is almost a good thing that they got uh, you know a bunch of NHL depth. You know, it kind of sucks all this. See, Mason Shaw is going to get the short end of the stick again too. That's another yeah, guy who doesn't I, deserve it. I think it. I think the guarantees here are that Keon Addison, Alex Goligoski, and Mason Shaw will be scratches for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah. The other stuff I think is up in the air. I mean, obviously, if Duhame and Felino can't go next game, you know, maybe. I think that would mm-hmm. give Shaw maybe one more opportunity to maybe des- prove he deserves a spot somewhere, but you know he hasn't produced much. He's been effective on you know the kill, but you know I do think you could put you know a Brandon Duhame there. I know they they had Johansson on the kill the other night, so I think you could put one of those guys with Dewar and meet. You know, are you going to get the same scoring chance? It's hard to say, but you know I I don't think. I, I think it's more Dewar that drives that kill than Shaw personally. Mm-hmm. Um, they have chemistry, which I think is great, but you know that would maybe be his one saving grace over some of these other guys. But you know I don't you know I, I don't think Sunquist kills penalties, but you know like I said, Johansson yeah. has. I don't know if Nyquist does either, but definitely those those three I think for sure seem like the odd ones out here. Mm-hmm. And I mean also you're also right on Connor Dewar. He's obviously a you know he hasn't came out of the lineup pretty much all this year. He's pretty much. He's a full-time NHL learner, NHLer now, so he's not going to come out at all. But yeah, no, you said it's. You said earlier it's just good that they have, you know, NHL depth now. I mean, if you got, you know, like you said, Felino will be in the lineup when he's back. You know, there's pretty much no way he won't be. And so if you got Mason Shaw and, you know, even Sam Steele and these other guys as your bench players sitting in the press box, I think that's a, you know, that's a pretty good place to be going into postseason run so yeah and then you know even looking beyond that you do have a full line basically in iowa with walker beckman and rossi yeah. um which if you didn't see that um, I, know, I, yeah. I don't know if we i don't know if we talked about that on this show I, I think we did um marco came out and said my last name's actually pronounced rossi not rossi um, so i'm trying to condition myself to to say mm-hmm. rossi yeah. Much like I had to retrain myself on Kaprasov, took a Kaprasov, and then I'm still working on Jesper Volstead instead of uh, Jesper oh, yeah. Volstead. So, um, little little aside there, but you do have those options too. I think you know that's real. That would have to be some insane injuries, I think, or you know maybe it's is it a top six injury? One of those players factors in maybe, but mm-hmm. you know I think we've you know to the to the to the ire you know myself included. You know I would have liked to maybe see Adam Beckman get a little more leeway, but. Um, you know, they felt they need to bring in some, you know, some more established NHLers to play in this lineup. Um, we'll see if that plays out for them. But, you know, I think this is a team that's looking at things, you know, two weeks ago, I don't think we could have fathomed that they would have added, you know, four NHLers this week. No. Um, but, you know, this is a team that all of a sudden is three points out of first place in the division. I don't, what are they out of in the conference? Is it the same there too? It would be the same, I think. Cause, uh, yeah, three. Yeah. Uh, no, two. Oh yeah, well, cause, yeah, because Dallas is leading. Uh, yeah. Vegas, uh, yeah, no, but no. Vegas has a game in hand over Dallas, so oh, they okay. could potentially have eighty. But at, so at most, well, you know, four points out of first mm-hmm. in the conference, three points out of first in the division. Um, you know, not no Western Conference team. 
you know, went out and made a huge splash per se. Um, all those splashes were out east, which is going to be an absolute gauntlet. But I think, you know, a lot of these Western Conference teams are looking at it like, hey, this is our chance to, you know, maybe take some pieces, you know, try to go on a run here because it's that wide open. Um, you know, the other thing we talked about on, on Wednesday night show was, you know, this team right now hasn't got the scoring, but they have a lot of the other aspects that make you successful in the playoffs. And that's really good defense, really good goaltending and exceptional special teams. So, um, you know, I don't think any of the guys brought in disrupt that, you know, just can, can John Klingberg potentially help your top power play? I think he could, um, you know, and if you do have both Klingberg and Addison in the lineup, all of a sudden, you know, and all of a sudden if you're sliding, you know, a Nyquist and a Klingberg or an Addison, your second power play unit, that's probably an upgrade there. Even Marcus Johansson, potentially, you know, all of a sudden some more mm-hmm. skill on that second unit where you're replacing, you know, Foligno, Greenway, those types of guys that have been playing there. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind this at all from Bill Gary, you know, overall holistically, you know, I probably give this trade deadline a solid B, um, you know, not an A because I don't think they made a huge splash. And, you know, they didn't, you know, add a, a bona fide top six forward. You know, Nyquist could be that, but it's hard to say right now. Um, you know, they, they brought in a, a defenseman who carries some risk, but, you know, they brought they bought that risk at a relatively low cost. Um, and I think, you know, I did. I do think they made the team better. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to have three of, you know, uh, Mason Shaw, Ryan Reeves, Marcus Foligno, Brandon Duhame, Connor Dewar, Oscar Sundquist. If Sam Steele, if three of those guys are sitting in your press box, well, that's not the worst thing. You know, same can be said about yeah. Goligoski and Addison. So, you know, this team feels like one where if, you know, there is some significant injuries, they have some guys they can plug in. So overall, and to do all of that without, you know, like we said, spending a first, first. second, only one mm-hmm. third round pick and holding on to arguably your top 15 to 20 prospects, pretty savvy business and in the process got yourself an extra second in this year's draft i think all of that is is really really solid yeah i mean we obviously we saw the quotes from uh you know garen about five six days ago where you know he wanted to be active today didn't think they necessarily would be but from how this team has played the last few weeks he thought they kind of earned them trying to go out and give them a little bit of help but i mean i think like you just mentioned brett that's the biggest key i mean even last year when they made maybe a little bit bigger moves for guys like Flurry and Middleton, they you know didn't give up more than their second round pick eventually, and they've managed to you know improve their teams. You know whether it didn't work out last year and whether it'll work this year, you know we don't know. But as you said, the West, aside from you know Colorado probably getting healthy and back to full strength, is pretty wide open. So you know with the dead cap obviously going up another two million next year, if you had a little bit of a chance to shore up the team. And, you know, potentially make it a little better, give them a little bit more upside and depth. You know, I think it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good decision by, you know, Garen and his staff to go ahead and uh, at least try and, you know, and give the team a shot to win. Because uh, obviously, you know, like you said, they didn't get the big time score, no Brock Besser, no, you know, guy like that, you know, which would have been nice. But, you know, that was probably never realistic in the first place. So, you know, I guess the next best bet was to, you know, get some depth, maybe build upon some of what your strength is and playing the defensive game and the stingy game. And uh, yeah, no, it's uh, like you said, not nothing too spectacular, but you know, it feels good that they were able to, uh, you know, go out and, and make some moves and improve the team. Like you said, without mortgaging their future and, you know, hopefully now they can keep up their, you know, their good play and uh, you go into the playoffs on a high note and do some damage. Yeah. We'll see what the Minnesota Sweden wild can do. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it seven now? 
Uh, let's see. It'd be Gustafson, Brodine, Eck, and the four that is acquired. Yeah, seven. And then if you want to look Oof. to the prospects, Ugrin and Volstead. So it'd be yeah. nine. Nine in the system. N- nine of 50. So, you know, basically that's Sweden. what, 20, 20% of your, your under contract players currently are, yeah. are Swedish. So um, I guess we'll go a non-wild question here just to kind of wrap this up. You know, maybe a two-part mm-hmm. question. Which trade surprised you the most? And which trade would be which trade do you think will end up being the most impactful um, league wide? If if you can you know think from kind of oh, the top okay. of your head. Yeah. Hmm. So okay, what so surprised you the most or yeah, most like one you're like wow, I you know I did not did not see that coming, mm-hmm. or like oh I can't believe you know they only got that much for this yeah. player or something, or oh I thought that team fleeced or whatever. Mm. Well, I think you know I think the the, the biggest you know hard to believe that the can't get much is obviously the Tanner Genoa trade. The fact that Tampa Bay gave up was it their like fifth through, I mean first through fifth round picks the next couple of years to and get Cal him. Foot, yeah, yeah. So they gave up you know a young prospect defenseman and five picks, you know to get him. Obviously, it's a little hard to uh, completely doubt Tampa necessarily because they've done this in similar ways with maybe not as highly thought of guys and they've won. So you know it might work out for him. But yeah, I think that's probably the biggest. Uh, you know, I guess shocker so far that you know you're able to get that much from Nashville, whereas you know, like we talked a couple of days ago, they got a second round pick for for Nuno and then a second round pick for Granny too. So it's it's just it's weird how it's weird how that works in NHL. Weird how you know two three inches makes you worth an extra three draft picks yeah. somehow. But you know, I guess it does. So good on good on you know David Poyle his swan song to. Get his team hold basically another uh, another two years worth of picks in the system here this deadline. So. Yeah, you know, loading up that chamber for Barry Trotz. Um, which mm-hmm. if you didn't see that, you know, I'm you know, I don't hate Nashville by any means. I think part of me warmed up because Nino Granlin went there. Yeah. You know, it's fun games when we play them. It's an awesome playoff atmosphere. You know, a barn I want to go watch a game in. You know, as, as far mm-hmm. as Central Division teams go, you know, outside of Arizona, they're probably the team I I dislike the least. Um, so kind of cool, you know, David Poyle, I mean, he's been around for, I don't even know how long now, but I think the longest tenure GM in the NHL at this point. Um, but if mm-hmm. you didn't see, he is stepping down, I think kind of phasing himself out the end of this year. Um, and then Barry Trotz, the, you know, storied defensive minded, you know, really successful NHL coach, um, will be taking over running that team. So, um, I think there was some speculation if they would try to move Yossi or Saros, um here before for the deadline that didn't come to fruition but yeah i think that you know that was definitely one that caught a lot of people off guard also happened late in the evening too it was like a 10 p.m yeah, um local time trade so um and then on at you know i think i know the answer to this one because i'm you know assuming we probably agree on it because it was the big fish but you know which which yeah. trade do you think will end up being the most impactful i mean i think i think that's like you said i think it's pretty obviously timo meyer yeah. in new jersey yep um, you know, just obviously a star top line forward who's still 25, still an RFA on a team already loaded with, you know, a lot of players in his similar age, skill set and everything. You know, it's really you know, obviously just adds a whole nother threat to their team uh, who's, you know, they've still, the fact that they've still been this great is, you know, maybe it's not surprising now, but I mean, obviously Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, all those guys. So that, that's yeah, that's easily probably the most uh, significant. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And then, you know, just to be a little different, you know, trades that maybe kind of caught me off guard um, was one made a little bit more recently. 
um, by a team that the Wild played mm-hmm. last night. That was the Vancouver Canucks. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> their their trade yesterday to acquire Philip Ronick um, from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a conditional first um, in this year's draft and a second round pick um, in this year's draft. I believe that was the pick that they got in the Horvat trade too. Um, yeah. So if you know, essentially, you traded away Horvat for Ronick. Beauvillier, and I think they got one other piece in that. Uh, Atu Rati. Yeah, and Atu Rati. Like, I don't think, you know, Vronix, I think, is a fine defender, but, you know, I think he's played some top four minutes in Detroit, but, you know, by far and away, he was probably their fourth, maybe fifth best defender. And, you know, he's a younger guy, but not a young guy still. Like, I just, that seemed like a lot to play, pay for, a, you know, maybe, a, maybe if you're lucky, an okay second pairing defenseman. Um, so I, I was just surprised to see that, you know, that Vancouver's out buying stuff when they were seemingly in sell mode, but. Well, did um, you see that, uh, did you see that whole, that they supposedly might've had a deal with, uh, for JT Miller to Pittsburgh, but they didn't want picks. They wanted a center. So I said no. Yeah. Pennsylvania that, teams are a mess right now, but, like, uh, yeah. So, you know, that pretty much covers, I think everything that we know as of now, um, obviously we'll, we'll find a little bit more. Um, I think we have, I don't even know if we have numbers <laughs> for any of these guys. I think Nyquist is 28. Yeah. Um, Johansson, obviously mm-hmm. 90. I think Klingberg has been wearing three most places and I don't know yeah. what Sunquist has been. He's been like seventies, I think somewhere, but, um, you know, that's about the only information we don't know at this point. Um, the other notable thing, I believe all four of the guys they acquired, all of them are UFAs at the end of the year. Um, so they didn't, you know, acquire any mm-hmm. long-term cap hit, you know, obviously with trading out Greenway opens up the avenue to probably extend guys, you know, for sure. Philip Gustafson, who Russo is speculating will come in around 2.8 million. Um, they will, you know, they have space if they decide to, to, uh, re-sign Callan Addison potentially, um, which, you know, we're not optimistic that they will, but you know, if all of a sudden, you know, one of these, you know, four guys shows out. You know, potentially the opportunity to give one of those guys an extension, but all of them on expiring deals. Um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. two of them, of course, Klingberg and Nyquist, you know, 50% retained this year. So overall, good piece of business uh, for Bill Guerin. You know, excited to see what this team can do with these additions. Obviously really curious to see how those, you know, those two deep pairings in the, in the bottom six shake out once this team starts to get healthy and, and what they decide to do there. But, uh, you know, any final thoughts for you on, on the trade deadline, uh, anything like that? Yeah, no, not not much more. I mean, like you mentioned, with the fact that they're all rentals, it's, you know, obviously what we expected. You know, we talked about how, you know, unfortunately it kind of blocks some of the young guys, but you know, I think absolutely, you like you just mentioned, that's their plan. You know, next year a lot of those guys, Adam Beckman, Marco Rossi will probably, uh, you know, fill in the lineup. So you know, probably maybe they just, you know, obviously they don't think they're ready. So. Uh, you know, it's good that they went out then and made some upgrades to their their lineup and got some more NHL guys in there who can hopefully give them a boost uh, and continue the good play the team's been going on since they've been really good. And, I mean, like people were talking about on Twitter last night, you know, because of Calgary's struggles too, they've now all of a sudden got a nine-point lead on them in the playoff race. So with, uh, you know, the two games coming up are still big, but, you know, if, you, if they keep playing this well, I mean, you know, they'll – put themselves in a really good position to you know pretty much wrap up their playoff spot and hopefully uh, compete for home ice here over the next few weeks so it, uh, it should be fun yeah the last wrinkle that just popped into my mind with all of this um you know having not moved out on defenseman bringing one in 
you know, it, mm-hmm. we talked about, I think, as recently as Wednesday that the Wild plan to sign Brock Faber, you know, immediately following his season at the U um, and potentially play him in the NHL. I wonder at this point if that's still something they're considering and burning that first year or if they'll maybe decide to hold off on that because, you know, who's coming out of the line? Like, the only, I mean, if it's for, you know, the, Merrill at that point to me be the only sensible one if the rest of the blue line is healthy that you would take out. Um, and, you know, as you and I mentioned, they haven't really been fond of pulling him out of the lineup so far this year. Um, but I doubt they'd pull out Klingberg for him. But, you know, again, I think Faber a right shot defenseman. So, you know, is it going to be a Faber-Klingberg pairing? Is it going to be a Faber-Dumba? Do you mix and match some things there? I don't know. So I think that'll be the other kind of interesting thing to watch. I think, you know, the soonest the goal for a season could be done, I think would be like two or three weeks I think like March 20 something. And then I think the national championship is like April 5th or somewhere around there, um, which would probably be the latest he could, you know, potentially come, but he can sign as soon as his season's done. So that's the other little wrinkle I think that we forgot to talk about, but, you know, really curious to see what, what they do there. Um, But yeah, no, again, not, not bad to have (laughs) a ninth option on the blue line going the the Toronto Maple Leafs route, you know, nine, nine guys deep on the blue line. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think that'll, that'll about do it here. Um, we'll be back hopefully, um, sometime next week. We are still working out whether we we might record later on Wednesday, potentially on Thursday. Uh, we'll see how Mm -hmm. it all goes. We'll try to get back with you, you know, talk about what we've seen from some of these guys. Zeke, as you mentioned, both Klingberg and Sundquist expected to play tomorrow night, uh, in Calgary. Um, and presumably for, for, you know, here on out, um, and hoping, you know, and we'll we'll watch and see if the wild will sometime soon hopefully get back fully no brodeen um and hopefully brandon duhame uh as well for sure all right well why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work and your takes yeah no you can uh, find me on twitter as usual at zeke boy on twitter with a at capital z capital b and if you want to connect with me that's where you'll be able to do that and as always you can find me on twitter at b underscore marsh 92 for all your player cards and PCS needs, that's where you'll find that stuff. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, at SoundThePoghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. Calgary twice. Uh, uh, who else do they play? And they have like two other ones. Or one other one. Van- no, not Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> uh, Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg. Uh, okay. Before we hopefully talk to you next. So uh, taking the trek to the Canadian teams. Uh, while in the great spot could basically bury Calgary and you know solidify a playoff spot, I think if they can even win once, win one. you know, yeah. win one might might be their demise. Winning two, I think, is basically a nail in the coffin, barring some epic collapse by the Wild or another team. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, Calgary didn't really do much of the deadline either. It seemed you know they kind of stood pat, um, didn't really make a ton of changes either. So, uh, good opportunity for the Wild to solidify some playoff spots, figure out what line combinations work. Uh, the John Klingberg experience will be an exciting one to watch. We'll see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about all of that stuff, you know, the, our first impressions, all that next week. But until then, this has been the Emergency Pod Episode Edition of Sound the Pod.